know, when we talk about disclosure, it's literally a be careful what you wish for question and issue because you're you're not just going to get aliens, you're going to get all the other stuff that goes with it. And I think we can see from Twitter and from people that are on the cutting edge of putting information out, it, there's a lot of bigger, darker, uglier secrets out there. And so if we were to find out everything at once, it would be shattering. Not everybody's going to be able to handle it. A lot of people are going to just kind of go off the wall and, and go crazy over this because it is going to be shocking and shattering when they find out because the good guys are not who they think they are. The bad guys are not who they think they are. And disclosure is not what they think it is. So, Agreed. It's so in fact, I've actually heard from people that are supposedly connected that what's out there is so big that they're not going to tell us all at once. And that's why we're getting this incremental thing because it's little by little by little because it's, it's that big a deal. All right, and we are here live again, the Mars Chronicles episode three with myself, David Whitehead, and Mike Barra. Mike, how are you doing, man? Pretty good. Who was that guy? He was pretty smart. I liked him. Who was that? You guy? know, th yeah, that was a pretty crazy too. episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, I, I'm, occasionally, I'll hear myself and I'll be like, wow, did I really say that? That's really eloquent. <laughs> Not bad. I'm pretty good. Good to see oh, you again, Mike. Good to see you, Josh. Welcome, everybody. This is going to be a blast. I'm so pumped for this. Me as well. This is uh, this series has been um, kind of an exploration into the minds of uh, David and my, uh, myself in the sense of uh, looking at the esoteric, looking at the occult histories of the world, looking at ancient civilizations, and then drawing in these anomalous um pictures and questions that we have about Mars, Moon, and the Earth, and tying it all together. And uh, I don't think the first episode, we actually talked about Dark Mission, which you co-authored, Mike, with uh, Richard Hoagland. Yeah, and right there. Yeah. Right over my shoulder. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> exactly. Which is a, I bought that book originally when it came out. I gave my father a copy of it. Uh, phenomenal book. But we talked about that the last two episodes as well. Um, dude. What do you think? What, what what are your thoughts on this? I want to know. Break it down for us. <laughs> the whole the whole thing from the top. From the or... beginning. From the be no we'll no honestly no honestly <laughs> <laughs> no honestly. Uh, tell tell me how you got started in all this. Tell me your well, beginnings. How how you got interested in this? Look, the, I, I'm just going to tell you guys the secret to light. You know, I, today I, I was watching a show. I was on I was on a show called UFOs Uncovering the Truth or something, and so I was I was watching myself a little bit. You know, I'm like, oh man, I was. My hair was too long. I was too pudgy. But I thought, how did I get there? I actually thought about this today. And it's like, you know what? You know what it is? Is if anybody offers you something, you say yes to it. Whether you can do it or not, whether it's in your field of expertise or not, you just keep saying yes and then figure out how to do it after that. And that's how I ended up here. So that's the that's the short answer. The long answer, you know, is that I was always interested in space and UFOs and aliens and um, you know, I mean, I grew up in the sixties. I didn't watch Star Trek and lost in space and the time tunnel and all that stuff. I didn't watch those 
and then get interested in aliens and UFOs. I watched them because I was already interested in space and aliens and UFOs. So it's like I was born this way. I was born to do this work. I was born to be in this field. But it took me through the process of my life, you know, till I was 40 something to really act on that. And uh, now here I am, you know, feeling pretty good about things. Uh, I wish a few more people would call that used to call. But I think uh, I think we know the reasons for that. And uh, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's a hill to die on. So I'm perfectly willing to do that. And and I think, you know, in the end, when I'm proven right about everything, uh, the phone will be ringing off the hook. So I'm not really too concerned about who likes me right now and who doesn't like me right now. I'm more concerned about the state of our country, the state of our planet. Yeah. And the kind of future we're going to create for the human race and so that's that's my focus and 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 to, to really tell you finish it off um you know i used to hear these stories people oh you know everything's run by the banks and the rockefellers and the rothschilds and i'm like you're crackpot you're out of your freaking mind you don't know what you're talking about and you know that's not the way things really work and then twa 800 happened mm -hmm. and and i watched People like, um, who was the FBI director at the time? James Carlstrom. Carlstrom. Get up there and lie through. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, no? go right ahead. Lie through the it. Only thing is, is, to the, American the only thing is, is we are on YouTube. So no yeah, v, okay. no three right. Vs. No three Vs. Viruses, vaccines, and votes. Vaginas, though? Four Vaginas are fine. That's okay, <laughs> apparently. had to go there. You said Vs. And what can I say? So I watched him lie. And I watched him lie on a daily basis to the press and say things that I knew as an aerospace structural engineer that worked on 747, which is what got shot down in New York over, over, you know, off Long Island, that these things were not true. And I knew that airplanes did not explode. In, I got an approval on my vagina, adding the fourth V. I can't believe I just did that, but it's your show. I ruined it. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, I, and I, I realized, wow, there's there's more to this global conspiracy stuff than I than I gave credit for. And, um, you know, along with that, I was starting to follow Richard Hoagland and his mm -hmm. various conspiracy theories. And I didn't find any real flaws in them. I understood them. And when he started doing the stellar alignment stuff for NASA, like, OK, they landed on the moon. So that when Buzz Aldrin did his Freemasonic ritual with his Masonic apron, um, 33 minutes after they landed with the star Sirius and Egypt, you know, the belt stars of Orion at 19.5 degrees above the horizon from the landing site, the only place on the moon they could have done that. I was like, okay, this, this shiz is real. And, and this is really happening. And then, you, you know, once that happens and your, your mind broadens out and it opens up and, and uh, I think around 98, um, it's front wholesome. Wow, your chat's hilarious. Um, somewhere around 98, you know, I, I had Richard's number from Ken Johnson, who was a mutual friend. And I called yep. him up and I said, you want an article on image enhancement? And he said, sure. You know, because the new pictures of the face on Mars were coming out. So I did that and he liked it. And then he asked me to write another article. And I, I did that and he liked it. And we just kept going and going. And pretty soon we had literally tens of thousands of words written that were mostly written by me based on you know his research and then mine ultimately also got added into that and at some point i finally said hey let's um let's put this in a book and that book ended up being dark mission which is really a compilation of 
web articles that he and I published over the course of uh, about eight years. And, um, and with a lot of new stuff added into the book to make it more than just a rehash of what we always given away for free on the web. And it's interesting, you know, people, you find that people are value that which they pay for a lot more than they value that which they get for free. What we would say on the internet, they would, you know, they would just, people go, yeah, and they would absorb it and forget about it. But it's like when you put it in a book somehow and charge people for it, somehow they remember it. So yeah. that's how the process started. And then since Dark Mission damn near killed me um, doing it because it was so exhausting to work on. I mean, it's a gigantic book. It's like five, it's up to 550 or 600 pages now because we did in a, a, in a revised edition where we added some new stuff. And um, I kind of was like, I can't go through that experience again. So I had some things I wanted to talk about. It wasn't where Richard wanted to go with Dark Mission 2. So I, I wrote The Choice, um, my second book, which was really about the physics, the background physics of the monuments of Mars discovered by the monuments of Mars. And there we are, you know, and then, so then I was off on my own doing my own thing. And that led to, um, led to doing DVDs and documentaries for people and hanging out in the bar with guys like Giorgio Sukalis and doing him a favor when he was nobody. And then he did me a favor back and, and got me on season two of ancient aliens. And then here I am. <laughs> so that's how it all yeah. worked, you know, to make a long story long, I could, I could go on and give you more detail, but you know, uh, it just, that's awesome. Mike. Just, I, I just kept saying yes. So, you know, worked out. Well, it, you've rubbed shoulders with some incredible people. You've, you, like you said, you had that curiosity from day one. I've, I'm the same. I didn't, I I'm automatically was interested in this subject. The moment I even heard it was a possibility and, right. you know, you go through X files, you go through all the pop culture, but then you realize what if this stuff isn't all just a bunch of campfire tales or a bunch of myth or a bunch of just right. entertainment what if there's something real and then when you find the real dudes who were and i remember the first time i saw one of richard hoagland's presentations i was like oh my god there's levels to this and then you know there's so many places to go here and josh i'm, I'm sure you're the same you know you you've always had that curious mind and that's why we all kind of do the work we do and that's why i love having us all here together and i wondered um just kind of off the bat because You've also watched the sort of alternative fringe independent media world uh, evolve and devolve simultaneously over your career. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's quite the place. It's quite the minefield right now with every single subject, just as it is in the mainstream. And so there's a lot of these different camps. And I wondered what your take on maybe watching that evolution, like especially since you work with Hoagland, talking about the moon mission and NASA. There's a lot of stuff right now. There's like, it's like a meme in America and other places that, well, of course, they didn't even land on the moon. The whole thing was shot in some theater somewhere by Stanley yeah. Kubrick. Or, yeah, let me just, you know, there's that theory, right? Yeah. And then, of course, enter all the flat earth stuff and all of that. And I mean, everybody's just kind of exploring <laughs> the information coming across their desk. But I'm sure you agree. Like, it's quite the minefield to be speaking about literally anything these days. So tell us your thoughts on all that stuff, if you would. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I read a story, just speaking of cancel culture, about uh, a guy named Frank Langella, who is one of the greatest American actors in history. He was Dracula in 1978 on Broadway for years. Famous guy, was in The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp. You may know him from that. Uh, he was also Skeletor in Masters of the Universe, and he was fantastic as that. Oh, really? and, and he was fired by Netflix because he was doing a love scene with a, with a young actress and he was sitting and she was standing over him. And by the way, they were both fully clothed. And he reached out and touched her leg while they were talking. 
in the scene just sort of spontaneously and which is you know something actors do and he didn't touch her in a sexual and they fired him without even asking him his side of the story so i'm like this is insane this is insane if 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 i was the producer of that film and some actress came to me and said oh, he touched my leg i'd say okay there's the door you know i mean and it's like you can get canceled for literally nothing mm -hmm. because all it takes today is an accusation and and the accusation, and it was witnessed by everybody, and nobody stood up for him. Everybody's afraid, and there's this whole, very, very uh, poisonous atmosphere out there right now for almost anything to have anybody to have any opinion about anything. And he was, he wrote about it. And he said, "Look, you know, I was just trying to block out the scene, trying to work it out." And uh, you know, it, 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 when you, it, so it's like people get fired for that. People get yeah. fired for refusing. A V for refusing to take a V that we now know, according to documents released a couple of days ago, has killed <laughs> tens of thousands of people before it even came to mark. They already knew it was going to kill 25% of the people that took it. I can't say that word. Well, so we actually do another podcast that we should have you on to actually talk about all that. And we can actually talk. Well, I, would, about I would love to talk about that. And, and yeah. I, you know, the thing is, I started out with with conspiracies and aliens yeah. and ruins on the moon and ruins on Mars. And everybody wants me to talk about that. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to say? I mean, I'm, I'm glad to talk about it, but what do you want me to say that I haven't already said? First of all, secondly, you know, I, I guess it's true. And what you were talking about is that the things keep coming up with the flat earth and then we fake the moon oh, landing God. nonsense and all that stupidity. But what you, ha what happens is every five years you have to repeat yourself because if yeah. you don't, people forget because a new generation of young people comes up and starts watching these manipulative, stupid YouTube videos, not your show, of course, which is brilliant, by the way. Um, and, and then they start believing stuff that's nonsense and they've never had it explained to them. So um, you got that cycle going on yeah. and, and we're just in a situation where now it's like, you know, I talk about what I care about right now. And I don't think artifacts on the moon and artifacts on Mars are, are at the front of the, the line right now. I think I think that stuff's going to get revealed, but we have so much to do to get from from here to there. It, it, there's just a lot of other stuff, and it's like I can't, I just can't keep my mouth shut anymore. And you know, yeah, it's probably cost me getting canceled by certain corporate media to a certain extent. Uh, okay, F them. You know, yeah, I'll I'll survive without it. So, well, let's take this this way then, because I, I think this is a great point of focus, especially in this. Uh, in this series. Now, obviously, we, we we can't mention the words, but we can talk about them. Hollywood has been utilized as a propagator of information and disinformation for the very longest time. We right. know that they've been grooming society in the sen certain sense of various types of disclosure. That's about an appropriate use of that word, by the way. Right. <laughs> Given uh, Disney's issues today. Yeah. True. Chris Carter... Uh, did the X-Files. He was associated with the Central Intelligence Agency and they did an epic, well, they did a whole video series of the black oil, the virus, and yeah. that humanity came out and made a vaccine that the vaccine wasn't actually that great and it had bad repercussions for the people. Now, yeah, this the vaccine is like actually turned you into, turned you, turned people into aliens is what right. it actually yeah, did, right? It turned them into, yeah. it altered their DNA. Gee, does any of this sound familiar? Anyway. Well, yeah. it's very prophetic in a sense, in the sense that maybe they knew something. Now, 
I, I, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic, but I also have had so many experiences in my life and I've researched for 25 years on these topics that I, I know that there's certain things that I can have as self-evident truth. And there's certain things that can still be in the sense of skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think what's happening right now, the, the great reset, the world economic forum, the, the new world order agenda, the destruction of the United States of America, the undermining of our constitutional rights, our civil liberties, our sovereignty, um, what's happening with the, the virus, all these things in the world. Do you think that this is associated or partly associated to some type of agenda that could be alien in nature or even connected to it? Uh, it is connected. It is connected. Aliens are part of this. It, the What's happening now is that we are being prepped for something huge, right? Or huge, if you're a supporter huge. of that guy. Huge. Yeah. Oh, we all are. Everybody in the audience, too. Okay, good. So we're being prepped for something huge, and aliens are part of that. There's no question they're going to be part of that. And all you have to do is look at the last, well, is he the last president or is he still the president? We can have that debate too. The 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 blonde guy. And you can and look at his fascination with aliens and how much he talked about him. And he went out of his way when he did an interview with Don Jr. to talk about aliens. He was asked about Area 51 and aliens. And he gave us Kennedy documents, which, which actually inspired me to write Ancient Aliens and JFK, which I don't have a copy of right in front of me. But uh, do I have one over there? Yeah, I got one over there. Um, but it 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 got me um it, and that ultimately came down to aliens. The, the 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 thesis of that book was that JFK was actually killed because of aliens and because we were, we were gonna go to the moon in concert with the Russians, which I first put forward in that book in 2007. And most people don't know, but that was actually publicly put out there. And then we were gonna go to the moon and we were gonna share what we found which was everybody knew at MJ-12, the secret government, the alien deep state, as you might call it, the current mm-hmm. deep state, they knew what was on the moon. And they knew that there was alien technology there and that whoever got a hold of it was going to be able to reverse engineer it or try to reverse engineer it. And they sure as heck weren't going to let the Russians get their hands on that. So um, everything ultimately in the background is aliens. Now, there are people like David Icke who like to talk about, oh, the reptilians and the alien agenda. I think the aliens are involved with the dark side of this war that's going on. I absolutely think that. I I have a friend who, you know, she says that there's a non-human entity under the Bosnian pyramids who's the root of everything. And that, you know, at some point in the future, she thinks we're going to hear about an earthquake or a civil war, or a big bombing in Bosnia, and that's going to be when they take this thing out. And that's going to sort of raise this veil, lift the veil of repression that's been hanging over the human race for the last 2,000 years, the entire occulted age of Pisces. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I do think aliens are involved. I do think there are some here. I have heard from people I pretty much trust to know what they're talking about that there's a couple of non-human civilizations living in the caverns under the ground mm-hmm. on this planet that we're isolated and, and, and quarantined from. And that sounds plausible. And I think ultimately over the next five to 10 years, we're going to start hearing about this stuff. But, you know, I think until we decide, until we decide, until we make, you know, the, the choice, right. 
what our future is going to be. I think it's all on hold. I think it's all put in the background. I think, you know, Mars and the moon and aliens and blue beam and all that stuff is on hold until we decide as a planetary culture, which direction we're going to go. And I think I know the answer to that. I, I told, I tried to tell you that in the book. Um, And I think the decision's already been made, but now we have to implement put into action those choices that this civilization has made because honestly i think if we didn't if we didn't choose differently than we've chosen in the past in terms of how we were going to evolve if we didn't reject this tyranny i i think something i think we would have gone through another extinction already Mm. and and we'd be facing the consequences of that and rebuilding from nothing again which i think we've done multiple times before so it's kind of a long, crazy out there answer, but, uh, you know. Well, that's why we brought you here, Mike. That's what we're doing. Okay, good. You, you want, want to pick your stuff. brain, man, and feel free, whatever. Um, but so, and I love what you said earlier about how you have to refresh yourself every five years when you've been doing it as long as you have. Right. I've noticed the same thing because the thing is, I think this whole, uh, let's just call it the event we all just went through the last few years that we're not allowed yes. to talk about on YouTube, uh, that everybody through. talks about. Um, yeah. I think that opened everybody on Rumble gets to talk about, but not oh, us on Rumble. We can say, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Rumble that opened that opened up the door for people that had not seen the world through that lens before to go, yeah. oh, right. If they lied to me about this, what else are they lying to me about? And so there are a lot of people that are new to this perspective, and that's why Josh and I were like, we got to get Mike on because because of all this um, information that's coming out in the wake of many exposures that we're seeing on multiple levels about the economy, about the election stuff, the other things, all the things, right? Yeah, there's um, a, that, isn't you know, there some people are now wanting to- 2,000 donkeys or- Something about donkeys, yeah, yeah, donkeys. Uh, something thing. about the year 2000 and horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll actually be doing a, we'll actually be doing a- uh, Right. We'll be doing a watch party um, in, I think, about 8.30 Mountain Time on oh. our channels with that. So. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, we're going to look at some yeah. donkey stuff. That's going to be great. Um, donkey, so yeah. Basically, donkey. the question is, for the new people in the room that are just coming in and they're, he- they're hearing, as you said, a lot of fractured information. That we are right. definitely living in a psychological war state right now. Okay. Right. On, and I don't think it's just CNN versus Rumble. I think it's also infiltrated these sort of alternative camps as well. Yeah, um, I agree. And there's also a lot of jumping to conclusions, et cetera. So just for the newbies that are coming into this, um, the first question is going to be, well, what about what really happened on the moon? Um, and so what would be your answer to, I know you've done this a gazillion times, but please just bear with us here. Well, let me, what would be your answer to that? To Because you're in the book, Dark Mission, which we brought up in previous shows that people need to go read it. Um, you and Richard had a totally different story as to how that meme about how America never even went to the moon at all came into existence than you would hear from your typical, you know, oh, it's all fate. Well, yeah, that that book, Dark Mission, is the only place you're going to hear that story. And um, we need to we should probably do some documentary stuff on that. But um, let me assure everyone that we, in fact, did go to the moon. We went to the moon, um, Apollo 8, Apollo 10, Apollo 11, Apollo 12, Apollo 14, Apollo 15, Apollo 16, and Apollo 17. So we went, I don't know, eight times, six times. Six six missions landed on the moon. Twelve men walked on the moon. That's indisputable, and I can, I can answer any question 
that anybody brings up about that subject. I will have an answer for you. I will explain it to you. I will tell you why the people who are doubting whether we went to the moon are wrong. And not only that, they're idiots. I also am going to tell you to watch a uh, show that I did for Science Channel called Truth Behind the Moon Landing, where I played the crazy conspiracy guy who was asking all of the nutty questions that you see in all these online videos. Like, oh, well, how, how can Richard Nixon be calling to the be calling to the astronauts on the moon from the Oval Office. Well, okay, they ran a landline to the satellite hookup at NASA and piped it up through the radio to the astronauts. I mean, it's not that freaking complicated. Um, and so you have that kind of thing. But um, we did go to the moon. But the secrecy that people see and misunderstand is not about how we faked it. Because we didn't fake it. It's legitimate. It's what they were really doing there, what the real purpose of Apollo was, and the secrets research that they were doing that they didn't show us. So there's questions over here. The images we saw real, I would say almost all of them are, are real. There's, they're, uh, yeah, they're real. They're real images, the real photos, the film uh, is real, and the television coverage is all real. I don't, I don't believe any of this it was partially faked on a soundstage by Stanley Kubrick in Nevada. Um, but it, that stuff is, is simply misunderstood. There's so many things that are technically misunderstood. Like, well, how did they take video of the astronaut descending the, you know, the ladder, Neil Armstrong descending the ladder? Well, you know, he got halfway down and there was a panel that he unhooked on the side of the limb and he flipped it down and the camera turned the camera on because it was it was off to save power and the television thing shot up went through the dish and went to the went to the uh, earth and we all watched it um so there's answers to all those technical questions but again the real question the reason why NASA wants you to believe that the moon landings were faked is so that anybody who asks any questions about the moon landings and the Apollo missions will be tainted as an idiot who believes in the fake moon landings. Okay, that's the reason why. And you know who started the rumor? Josh, you brought it up. Who started that rumor? NASA started that rumor. Mm -hmm. Because in 1969, in July of 69, before Neil Buzz and Michael Collins had even splashed down in the Atlantic Ocean, I believe it was, may have been Pacific. A NASA director, a guy named Frank... I want to say Darabont, but that might not be the right name. But he, Richard Hoagland, my co-author on Dark Mission, was a science reporter for a magazine. And he was there at the JPL Press headquarters. And this guy, Frank Darabont, is taking this hippie guy around to all of the different news desks, CBS, NBC, ABC, uh, the Washington Post, the New York Times. And he's helping this guy hand out flyers that said the whole thing was faked in a movie studio so that, folks, is where the rumor started, and it was sponsored by NASA. And the reason it was sponsored by NASA is so if anybody after that asked questions about the moon landing, they would be labeled a, oh, we faked the whole thing kook. That was the purpose of that cultural meme being introduced all the way back um, in July 23rd or so, 1969. So NASA started that rumor because they didn't want you questioning things. They didn't want you questioning why did Buzz Aldrin take a Masonic ceremonial apron to the moon with him? 
Why did he perform a Masonic ceremony in the lunar module? And this is all in his book. He admits this. In the lunar module before he and Neil Armstrong went out on their very first moonwalk, the first time man set foot on the moon in thousands of years, at least, human <laughs> beings set foot on the moon. They don't want you to ask those questions. They don't want you to ask, well, why was he consecrating Tranquility Base as a Masonic temple? Same reason that Neil Armstrong went out first. You know why Neil Armstrong went out first and not Buzz Aldrin? So that he could photograph the first 32nd degree Freemason named Buzz Aldrin coming down the ladder and stepping on the surface of the moon. That's why Neil Armstrong went out first, because there was only one camera, one photographic camera, one TV camera, because weight was at such a premium then that they had to do these kinds of things. And that's what the only reason Neil was picked first. That's why Neil faded into the background after Apollo 11. And Buzz is the guy who's out there telling everybody what's what. And by the way, you know that every single Time Magazine, Life Magazine, Look Magazine photograph of man on the moon that you see when you do a search, every single one of those pictures is Buzz Aldrin. Hmm. There's not a single intentional picture of Neil Armstrong on the surface of the moon taken by Buzz Aldrin. None. Hmm. In fact, the best look you get at Neil Armstrong is you see his reflection taking a picture of Buzz in Buzz's visor. Right. So this was all done as part of this satanic Masonic ritual that NASA was executing all throughout the Apollo program and all the way into the face on Mars and you know the Mars exploration stuff that we've got going now over and over and over again. And it's all based on an ancient Egyptian stellar religion that, that was basically flourishing in Egypt around the time the pyramids were built, which was probably substantially earlier than the 3300 BC uh, that were date that were normally given. So the purpose of putting out the we didn't land on the moon thing is to get people is to keep people from asking questions about the rest of this stuff. Yep. I like that. Why on Apollo 12, the next mission, why when they landed, did they do a secret EVA before the one they almost showed us on television? I'll tell you why they went what they did. They did a stand up EVA. They opened up the top hatch. They stood up and they looked around. Why? Because there are, titanic glass structures all over the surface of the moon which were designed by a previous civilization to be a meteor shield because lunar glass is about as strong as steel because it has no moisture in it so it's the perfect thing to build a meteor shield over over the surface of the moon because the moon has essentially no atmosphere technically it does but in reality it doesn't <laughs> and they got out and they landed because they knew that they could land there, get through all this stuff. First of all, Apollo 11 landed in the middle of nowhere, just as consecrated as a Masonic temple and get that done. And Apollo 12, they landed, but they landed basically in the same spot as Surveyor 2. Because they had already established that they could land on the surface there and get through all the stuff, but they wanted to explore these ruins. So they landed Apollo 12 there. And then both astronauts got up. And we can reconstruct this through the radio communication, through the checklists of things they were supposed to be doing and weren't doing, from the fact that they changed the Capcom, the capsule communicator, from the guy who was supposed to handle the landing and then the initial processing to the guy who handles the EVAs. There were two different ones. How come when they came back on the radio, they, the EVI Capcom, EVA Capcom was on the line? 
You're only supposed to do that if the guys are outside the spacecraft, which they were in secret. So they stand up, they look around, they see all this glittering glass stuff in the background, and they're like, shit, we can't show the guys back home this because everybody will wonder what the hell that all is. So you know what they did then? Closed up the hatch. And then, and again, we can prove it through the timing. They opened up the they opened up the main hatch, the front door, and they went down. And then Al Bean did the one thing he was trained not to do. The one thing he was trained not to do. They had a brand new, much better, high-resolution color camera on Apollo 12. On Apollo 11, it was that crappy black and white stuff we've all seen, right? He took that camera, he pulled it off the stand, and he pointed it. The one thing he was trained not to do, he pointed it right into the sun, held it there, and burned the optics out. <laughs> so we only got about 45 minutes of TV from the surface of the moon because they knew at that point that they were going to be able to see all this stuff that was towering over the horizon. So those are a couple of examples of things that, that were done that are what we should be talking about as opposed to Stanley Kubrick faked the whole thing in Area 51, man, which is by the way the dumbest thing. Also, I wanted to say on Truth Behind the Moon Landing, I play the conspiracy guy, okay? Yeah. And I just want to be clear, I didn't believe a word of it. And and as you may have guessed, or, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the world's number one expert on the, the moon hoax theories. Basically... I can answer any question you throw at me about the moon landings, and I can show you that we did land on the moon. Having said that, um, and I've written that in Dark Mission. I, I, I talked about how we didn't fake the moon landings. I wrote it in uh, Ancient Aliens on the Moon, and I wrote about it again in the Kennedy book. So at least three times I put it down. But these people called me up. They wanted to do this show. The show sounded great. I wanted to be the skeptic. I wanted to be the conspiracy theory skeptic. But, oh, no, we have a NASA astronaut. We're going to have him do that. So... They wanted me to be the conspiracy theorist, and I realized they didn't know what my position was on this. They thought I actually believed all this nonsense. <laughs> but they said, we'll put you on TV and we'll give you this much money. And then I thought, hey, <laughs> first of all, nothing wrong with that. But I, I thought, look, here's the thing. In the end, I know the I, I had the layout of the episodes. I know the answers to all of these questions. I, I know what the truth is, and I know in the end, because it's Science Channel, we're going to tell people what the truth is. So if mm -hmm. I have a role in getting the truth out to people, if my role is I got to ask the world's dumbest question, well, why did, you know, how, how come if you look at this picture, they, they don't have any, like, treads on their boots, but you look at the moon prints, the footprints, and they're all have treads. Well, because they had galoshes that they slipped on over their regular spacesuit booties. That's why, guys. But, um... You know, if I had to be the guy that asked the dumb questions, uh, I was fine with that. As long as I could say, instead of saying, I personally believe this or I personally believe that, I could say, well, you know, the conspiracy community asked this question or that question. So right. it's a lot of information. I'm kind of I'm kind of talking a lot about it. But I wanted people to know that that I chose that to do that because they paid me and I wanted to be on TV, but primarily because I knew we'd get to the truth on all the questions. And in addition to that, I thought I might learn something. And I did learn a few things that were a little bit shocking to me, honestly, things that I didn't know uh, the answers to. So I would recommend if anybody has any doubts that we went to the moon, watch that show. I'm playing the role of the conspiracy guy. But in the end, we get to the truth on all of the major questions, the radiation belts and all that stuff is pretty easily explainable. And we do some great demonstrations, the Apollo 1 fire and 
there's just this one thing that I can I talk about the one thing I missed because it makes yeah go ahead sure. go ahead man. so we did we did an episode on a, a guy named Thomas Barron who who testified to Congress about the Apollo one fire and if you don't know what that is folks the Apollo one fires were the original Apollo landing crew the guys that were going to land on the moon Gus Grissom who was going to be the first man to walk on the moon Ed Chafee and uh, no Ed White and Roger Chafee Chaffee Chafee were burned alive. In, in, a, in a high pressure, oh, high oxygen test on the launch pad in Apollo 1. And this guy, Thomas Barron, had said, look, I told them about this problem. I told them about that problem. I told them about the other. Basically, he it, it was a, he had a 500-page indictment of, of everything NASA had done with the Apollo capsule, why it was there were so many design flaws. He testified in front of Congress. He gave them his 500-page report. And I think three days later, he was killed in a train accident. His car somehow ended up on a set of train tracks. And a train hit his car and killed him and every member of his family except one, a daughter, <laughs> who refused to talk to us about it. Um, that train came from a NASA train yard, by the way. And his 500-page report has disappeared. It was never entered into the congressional record and it evaporated. So part of the things we covered, and I think one of the last episodes was, um, well, you know, Chad Jenkins, who was on the show, former FBI guy, I think, and worked in police. And he and Leland went down, the astronaut, and, and basically looked at it and said, no, I'm pretty convinced this is an accident, right? This is an accident because of this and this and that. And I'm like, okay, and that's how we ended the show. And literally 15 minutes after we packed up the cameras, I looked down at the police report. And you know what it said on it? It didn't say accident report. It said homicide report. <laughs> really? The police. And I, I got, if I could have gotten out of the show, of course, that would have gone against the narrative of the show. But the police were convinced it was a homicide. And gee, a train out of a NASA. I think, I don't know. Something happened to that car. And it got stuck on the train tracks and a NASA train ran it over. So, you know, <laughs> you find out stuff like that. And it like, to me, it makes the conspiracy go even deeper. Oh, much. Read a story with her. I don't know if that was even more. No, that was, that was good. Josh, right. right before I go to you uh, or before you go, can yeah, I no, go ahead. ask this question from the chat? Because uh, yeah, it's go ahead. questions. I see this one a lot. Um, so let's just do it. It's no strat. Alex is asking, here's one thing I don't get. In the images that I saw from the moon in space, there were no stars visible. It was just black. Why can I see them from Earth, but not in the pictures from the moon? Well, because if you're going to shoot, if you're going to shoot a night sky picture on Earth, you have to have a very long exposure time. You have to open the aperture wide open, and and it takes a long time because the background stars are very very faint, and the foreground light, even at night, tends to wash everything out. So that's the problem. So what you have to understand is you're on the lunar surface. It, it in the sunlight, which they had to land when you know, basically the moon a day there lasts almost a month in some places, right? The moon mm -hmm. is light on the light side. So it's always bright. There's always sunlight. There's no atmosphere to refract or soften the light. So it is high intensity. So they had to set the exposure times on an average of one two fiftieth of a second. Snap, like faster than a second. Open and close that aperture. And they had to set it. They had three settings. They had 
they had uh, macro, which is a close-up of something like the orange soil they found at Shorty Crater. Medium, which is like, oh, from here to the rover 20 yards away, I'm going to take a picture. And then they had a, an infinity setting, which is for panoramas and things. The only one that could have possibly captured stars in the background was the infinity setting. And that was only a few of the pictures when they would, you know, we landed, we're going to take a panorama, blah, blah, blah. And by the way, if you take those images and you overexpose them, you see stuff in the background. But the point is, you shouldn't be able to see anything because <laughs> the stars are so far away and so faint and the exposure time is so short and the foreground light is so overexposed that in order to get a decent picture on the surface, even with the incredible super special film that's never been replicated that they had, you're not going to see anything except the blackness of the sky. The problem right. is, is that when you start enhancing the actual real negatives that we got from back in the day in the 90s when you could still get the photographic negatives and 8 by 10 prints that people like Ken Johnston saved from the actual Apollo program that were distributed like playing cards to everybody at NASA. When you start looking at them, not only do you discover that those images are different than the exact same images under the same frame number now on the NASA servers, but you can see stuff in the sky that you shouldn't be able to see. And the only explanation for you seeing these little spots and things on some of these photographs, I keep saying images, they're photographs, is that those bright lights are local. They're on the moon. They're not trillion, you know, they're not hundreds and millions and thousands of light years away. They're right there above the astronauts, which is another proof of the theory of glass structures on the lunar surface. So that's the reason why you don't see stars. You're not supposed to see stars because of that. Now, they actually did do on one of the surveyors that landed in Sinus Meta E, I want to say Surveyor 3, but I'm not positive. They did do some exposures where they could to capture the sun or uh, some stars. And I've got that. I think that's actually in Dark Mission. And I certainly know it's in Ancient Aliens on the Moon. They actually captured some stars with an exposure. But in order to get the stars in the background to be seen from the camera, they had to do, I think it was an eight-minute exposure. Wow. To get very faint. So that shows you what they would have had to have done to get images of stars from the surface of the, of the lunar surface. And the problem is, you know, you had guys like Chesley Bonstell and, and guys like that that were doing this artwork. So everybody expected to see stars but you're not going to see stars in that circumstance. I understand on the space station, Leland said this, that you can see stars when you're on the, the night side of the earth and you turn all the lights off inside the space station, you can see stars after right. a fashion. It, 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 you can see them, but you know, it's just, that's just the way this, the situation worked itself out from a photographic standpoint. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. I've, I've done some photographs as well, just working with some guys that had high powered telescopes and things. And even when you just start messing with the exposure settings on that, you can make the stars go away and come back immediately just based on playing with exposure. And that's from shooting from Earth. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't surprise me that there's another explanation other than the fact that they faked it. And well, yeah, and everything is just, again, everything was so harsh on the lunar surface because there's no atmosphere to diffuse everything. So that's a big right. problem. In the diffusion refraction aspect is the biggest. And the reason we're able to see stars here on the earth is because we have an atmosphere. And when the light hits the atmosphere, it has, it scatters. Uh, it scatters. Yeah, it, it's it not scatters. Right. Whereas on the moon, if you're standing in the sunlight, it's overwhelmingly bright. That's why they had to have those visors, those gold visors they wore most of the time. Yeah. To reflect um, that light. 
now now we we know that a lot of the the cover-up in the sense of what nasa has been doing like you were saying you just laid out in the sense of the moon landing that nasa is the one that created the conspiracy theories about the moon landing didn't happen the reason they most likely did this is the moment that photographic or video evidence comes out that shows 90 degree turns on certain uh, geometrical structures or whatever this is, they can easily say, Oh, it's just a conspiracy theory. They've been doing this. People that think we never went kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now they've known this, obviously that there is some type of advanced civilization on this planet for a long time. We know, we know this from the Nazi days, the Nazis were very adamant about this and they went out there. We had the, the occult societies within Nazism that knew about this. They derived from the Madame Blavatsky days, um, that Seth, went out the there and looked for these, Society, yeah, right, all that stuff. right, Astata, yep. um, Maria Orsich. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what's your thoughts then? Because I, I, I'm, I'm looking at this in the sense that maybe fifty thousand years ago or more, there was an advanced human culture on this planet mm-hmm. that potentially did this. But now we're we hear a lot about this alien that they, maybe it was an alien culture. I mean, the ancient aliens. It doesn't really incorporate us into it. It it drives humanity as a slave race that was created. You know, yeah. we were the the shit of the earth, and they genetically modified us to be more yeah. perfect like them. Yeah, right. And yeah. I I don't really conform to that. I think if a lot of the evidence, Josh. If we're the slave race, why are they here trying to get something from us? Because we're stronger than they are. They're weak. They're shit. They're garbage. We're not on their planet trying to get trying to steal their DNA. We don't yeah. need it. So you're. I'm sorry. You make a valid point, and one that really gets under my skin, as you can tell. It, it gets like, under yeah. my skin as well. Yeah. I, I mean, there's. I think there's substantial evidence to show that humanity has gone through various different epochs of civilization on this planet, um, and something keeps destroying us whether it's natural or uh, astronomical cataclysms due to our place in the galaxy or something um or it's because of our own demise or because maybe some civilization that's a little bit more technologically advanced comes in and they just smack us well, i talk about that back. in this book the choice and yeah the <laughs> hope you say the, the hope you say um that there have been four previous ages of man or we, we're either in the fourth age of man or there have been four previous ages of and each time we get very advanced to a certain place, but we lose our way spiritually. Mm-hmm. And, and then God wipes the slate clean and starts over again. And they said that in at least one of the previous epochs that we had inventions and technologies that have not even been discovered yet in this time. Meaning, yeah. And and again, if you look at the art, you look at these glass structures, you look at the buildings on the surface of the moon, you look at the pyramids on Mars, it all looks like human architecture, aesthetically, artistically, from an engineering perspective, it all looks human. The face on Mars is half human, half feline, or all human. It just depends on how much of it is erosion that we're looking at and how much of it is intent. And so I look at that and I think, well, I think that maybe, you know, Atlantis or let's call it Atlantis or some pre-Diluvian civilization could have been very advanced and made bases on the moon. Well, what's the quickest way, you know, to protect us from the meteors on the moon with no atmosphere? Let's build let's build glass structures from lunar glass. That's the best way to do it. And that's what they did because the engineering is on a vast scale 
that we cannot duplicate, but it uses the principles of engineering that we understand. Now, it's possible the principles of engineering are universal, that an alien mind would build a glass structure in exactly the same way because gravity is still gravity. Or, you know, and, and, and you've got you to support things a, with a certain spacing and it's all got to make sense and it's got to follow the horizon, you know, all that stuff. Um, and, and certain bases have certain functions. But the other possibility is that it was some precursor of us that built all this stuff on the moon and built all this stuff on Mars. And then what Neil Armstrong said when he stepped out on his first step on the lunar surface makes a lot more sense because what he said was, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. People were like, that doesn't actually make any sense. He he should have said, that's one small step for a man and one giant leap for mankind. And I've listened to the tape a thousand times. And there are people who claim, oh, that's actually what he said, but it got garbled. No, there's no garble. I've listened to it. He said exactly what he meant to say. That's one small step for man, meaning us. This version of humanity, this incarnation of this much broader human family, and it's a giant leap for all mankind, meaning us and the Anunnaki and, and the other humanoid people that look like us, maybe even the Pleiadians, I don't know, whoever's been here before, it's a giant leap for them because man is now returning to the stars from whence we came. That's what I firmly believe he meant. Yeah, okay. That was the intent of what he said. And I really am still waiting for the disc. I'd really, come on, Neil. I know you I know you left me a disc where you explained that. But, you know, I, I mean, you look at all this symbolic stuff and you can put it together with the historical information and what we see now in the visuals. And it's, it's really pretty incredible. And I, I want to add one other thing, too, about the glass yeah. stuff. Because some people, and I'm not going to mention any names, Jay Widener, will say... Oh, well, Kubrick faked the whole thing and all this thing, you, your stuff you think is glass structure is really just front front screen projection, um, you know, a screens. That's all it is. It's just, it's just there's a little flaw here and there and you're seeing this stuff in the background and it's like, okay, that's great. Uh, nice idea, Jay. It's wrong. The reason why it's wrong, and I we can now prove it's wrong. I mean, the Chinese just landed on the backside of the moon. There is no dark side, by the way, folks. It's dark side of the moon is way cooler than the back side of the moon. But at some point, virtually the entire lunar surface is illuminated at some point during the 27 day. It's a lunar day. It's a human month, right? Yeah. Um, and guess what? When you do the same thing we did before, you enhance the background, right? You see all this stuff in the background, all this glass stuff, glittering, lights, reflecting refracting bouncing all over the place oh well that's just digital artifacting oh oh really is it well then how come it it drops off and trails off exactly following the light from the sun in other words you see this stuff because of the way the, the geometry of the lighting exactly fits the geometry of the sunlight so no the reason you're seeing that if it was digital artifacting you'd see it over the entire image so the Chinese left that information in there so people could go back and say, oh, yeah. And not only, not, you know, so there's all kinds of different proofs that this is really showing you the real reflections over the lunar surface, even on the dark side of the moon and put out by the Chinese. So come on, can we throw the whole Kubrick 
reflective front page projection screen thing out the window because it's nonsense. Let's just throw it out. It's, hmm. it's, it's done. So, you know, thank you to the Chinese for confirming our theory from, well, Hogan's theory from 1994 and, and the one we published in Dark Mission and Ancient Aliens on the Moon on 2007. So there we go. Well, that's fascinating, man. I didn't know a lot of that stuff. And when... If I had it, I would... I would send you guys, I would show you what I'm talking about. It's, it's tough to talk about this stuff without showing actual slides, but. Well, we can always do, do something that. in the future with you, Mike, if you're down, we could do some kind of a, you know, Q and A or something. You can bring some slides or whatever. That's totally. Yeah, I, can't, but... I can't send you an image through the, through the process here, but no oh, maybe I can't share screen. You yeah, can share right? screen actually. Yeah, yeah, screen. Give me a second. You can, give me a second. Let me, let me look this up. I Let's wasn't it. totally prepared for this, but. Uh, you can't just tell people the truth. You have to show them, right? That's right. Right. That's right. It helps if you show them. Well, yeah, here we are talking about all these images that we don't really, you know. Okay, not talking mission. Where is ancient aliens on the moon? Okay. And shout out to everybody in the chat where it looks like it's a great conversation. I yeah. love your chat, Josh. And I can't really see my chats, but hello well, they're very active. So a lot of people are out watching 2000 donkeys right now, um, yeah. which is streaming right now, which is okay. But we, I think we got a, uh, we got a recorded copy from a friend of ours and we're going to be doing a watch party um, at 8 30 PM mountain time. So that sounds really cool. I'm not really sure how to watch it myself. You have to go to his locals channel and buy it for 30 bucks. Um, but I think you can download it. So I'm going to see if we can download it. If not, uh, Patriot party podcast, which is on the red pills TV, um, is, is streaming it right now. So we're just going to replay it and stream it to a watch party with a whole bunch of people. Cool. Sounds I'm going to try cool. to jump in and I'll bring my lasagna with me and I'll watch. There it. you go. Okay. So, uh, let me do a quick screen share here. Yeah. If I'm allowed to share screen entire window okay where am i gonna click i want to click and josh it'll show up on your side you just gotta hit the yep. button to pull it on when it's in there so can you guys see this yep okay so this is what i'm talking about this is a shot from the dark side of the moon the back side of the moon the lunar surface taken by the uh chang four lander i guess it is it landed on the back side of the moon this is hoagland's work and all he did is overexpose it and again this is this geometric regular structuring but again the sun, notice how it's brighter over here and darker over here. That's because of the geometry of the sun. So the light is hitting this stuff and reflecting back into the camera. And it trails off just like the geometry of the sun would. And then you have little intermittent spots here, which are part. In other words, this over here really does look like this. It's this bit very busy geometric structure. But the light is not hitting it at the right angles to be reflected back to the camera. So again, this has to be on the surface of the moon. It has to be. Hmm. It, it, and then here's, Hoagland did an inverted version of it here too. And it's even more dramatic when you look at the inverted version. This is all real stuff. If this was digital artifacting, it would be all over the whole image. Yep. And funny, it only appears over the horizon and it follows the geometry of the light. So there you Interesting. go. Interesting. Oh, great. I'm glad we got to see I don't want to share my screen too much because who knows what's behind those. Yeah. yeah. Four Vs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for sharing that. Um, 
so and, and thinking about this uh, you know where do you think this is headed where do you well, think hey, we're headed sp oh, sp arkansas usa is an atmospheric reflection no but it acts exactly like an atmosphere in fact there was some video taken this is fascinating from apollo 8 wasn't video it was film of the earth rising um from behind the, the moon and when it goes through this stuff it's flattened and distorted just like the atmosphere flattens and distorts the moon when it rises over the earth so mm -hmm. either there's no way around the fact that NASA's lied to us. Either this stuff is atmosphere, which it's not, or it is crystalline structure, one of the two. Right. But it's something that's refracting the, the light. Is a lie. Something everything they tell us about the moon is a lie. And it could also very well have been aliens that built it. So anyway, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry to oh, no, Josh, go, yeah, go ahead. No, no, David, go ahead. I know you wanted to ask something. I had a question too on the back of that. Um I've done a lot of conferences in the past. We did a tour years ago called the Disclosure Tour. So we brought everybody in. We brought Paul Hellier, uh, former Defense Minister of Canada. Yep. We got, uh, you know, who else? Richard Dolan, Stanton Friedman, you know, just kind of the cast of characters to just throw everything at everybody. And it was a really fun event. And I asked every single one, uh, Stephen Bassett, you know, I've asked every single one. I just said, I just had this idea that maybe all this pushing to get the governments and NASA to disclose all the stuff. Um, maybe they're not really in charge of that. Maybe there's something else that is way bigger than them aliens that are <laughs> controlling the narrative yeah. on earth about what's really going on with aliens. It makes more sense that they'd be the one in the top positions than it would be their little, their little minions working at NASA or any of these other places or these Freemason lodges or anything like that. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I agree. And I, I do agree with Ike in the sense that there is this hierarchical structure. NASA is not in charge of the decision of whether they admit the face right. on Mars is artificial or whether there's gigantic crystalline structures on the moon and whether there's, you know, alien bases on the moon or, you know, there's a ziggurat pyramid on the on the backside of the moon that I've talked about extensively in, in Ancient Aliens on the, mm -hmm. on the moon and Ancient Aliens on Mars. There's actually 20,000 words, 20,000 words. Uh, on the moon in this book as well. So someday I have to take all the moon stuff and put it all together. All the moon. Anyway, so um, they're not in charge of that decision. It says right in the act that creates NASA in 1958 that they work for the DOD. Okay, oh, so the Pentagon's in charge. Well, who does the Pentagon answer to? Well, according to the document, they answer to the president. It's the White House who decides whether or not something that NASA discovers is classified and what classification it gets and who can be told about it. It says it right there in the Congressional Act that created the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Well, then who's behind the White House? Well, as we're watching the current clown show in the White House, which by the way, has anybody else noticed how little of the White House activities take place in the actual White House? Isn't that weird? <laughs> They're all in a studio. Notice that. Has everybody noticed that this guy only ever really seems to be outside on the lawn? Like, when is he ever really in the White House, the resident-in-chief? Uh, that's a good question that I'd like an answer to. So who does he answer to? Obviously, he's not in charge. The other day, a couple of weeks ago, he answered to the Easter Bunny. Yeah. The Easter Bunny took him and said, oh, no, no, we're not going to talk about that. So he's not in charge. So who's behind him? Well, in Ancient Aliens and JFK, I, I basically argue it's MJ-12. It's the organization we've all known about since the 80s that existed whoever they were and they're probably called something else by now but mj12 and then who's behind mj12 because somebody else 
Are they the top of the heap? I don't know. David Icke likes to say, oh, well, then we got the reptilian aliens. Maybe. Or actually, he says the secret societies are behind them, mm -hmm. and then the aliens are behind them. Nobody knows at that level. I do know, and I have heard, that there are some negative alien presences on this planet. And one of the things we're going through that we're going to have to go through to resolve this situation that I talked about in this book is to get rid of them, get them off our planet so we can we can live the way we were meant to live. So the last time you were on uh, David's show, you mentioned something about the, the dark, expansive truth of our universe, the nature of the universe, and that soon mankind hopefully would find out. I mean, we were talking about disclosure, is that people, people can't handle the truth about disclosure and what it is right now, because there's some dark truths. The universe, you said you talked to somebody, the universe is much bigger in, in scope and perspective than we could ever understand. What did you mean by this? Well, I mean, it's not as secretive maybe as you think. It's pretty obvious that the universe is a vast place and there are hierarchies and structures within the universe as well. Um, I think movies like The Day the Earth Stood Still are not fictional. I think that they're that's information being fed, you know, like there's this bigger race out there. And, and again, I, I would have to say, I think that we're being left to our own devices to resolve this for ourselves Agreed. and decide whether we're going to move forward in harmony with the new path, the new way, or whether we're going to have to wipe the slate clean and start over again. And I think that choice has already been made. And I think we're going for cleaning everything up. So um, I guess what I what I really meant is that, you know, people are look, people cannot handle at this point that there was. And listen to my words very carefully, uh, a frog in 2020, uh, an erection frog in, in 2020, people, you know, people can't handle that. Yeah. There is, a, there is something out, about the slip, all the guys. Yeah, yeah. About erection it. frog. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say the other words. I said erection frog, uh, frog with an erection. And uh, people can't handle well, it's the only two words I could think of that rhymed. And people have, you know, again, we, ha we are here, we are two years out from the most obvious, obvious, obvious frog that any of us have ever seen. And there's still a sizable percentage, maybe 25% of the people who refuse to believe it. And everybody in the media who is being paid off to pretend that they don't know that it's real. Mm -hmm. Remember who called, you know, the desert state where the Phoenix Suns play about 15 minutes after the polls closed in a race that ended up being decided by, you know, it was way closer than the Kentucky Derby. Yep. Um, and that was completely, you know, frog. That was a frog. Everybody knows that. that. That network was paid. And there were rumors all over the place that they were going to do that. They were going to lead the way in the, and I'm really trying to dance around the language here. They were going to lead the way in the, you know, John Dillingerine of the erection uh, that came out. So anyway, uh, without going further on that. So if you can't even get people to accept that reality, which could not be more blatantly obvious. And which hopefully, you know, the, the film about the year 2000 and the horses uh, will reinforce to people. If they can't even accept that reality, how the hell are we going to get all the way down the road to aliens? 
I mean, there's so much more to this. We're just beginning to hear the names of people like Maxwell. And I don't mean James Clerk Maxwell. Right. And people are starting to ask questions. Well, who were the people that she was serving? And why haven't we heard any of those names? And, right. you know, then you have the wonderful folks at Disney and the wonderful folks at Netflix that we talked about. And all this stuff is so far away from aliens that, good God, it's going to take us five or 10 years to get there, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, people aren't ready for it. They're not ready. They can't even handle. God, wait till I find out that certain sporting events have been fixed over the years. Oh, my God. <laughs> like the last season of the NFL? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe the Seahawks will get their 2005 Lombardi that they always should have. <laughs> oh, God. God knows they're not going to win another one for a long freaking time as long as Pete Carroll is in charge. But, yeah. Anyway, so Mike, what do you think this is being dripped out? You think this is like because you had said something. A while, I was listening to an older interview that you had done, and you were almost yeah. predicting. This must have been like ten years ago. You did this interview, and you're almost predicting what was going to happen, and it's kind of happened. Which is that in the media, there has been a major shift when to discuss the subject of aliens, and it was because if if they're going to ever admit this on any level, uh, even if they don't tell us the whole story, but they just tell us a controlled version of it. Um, they have to slowly get people used to it and look at all the Marvel films, look at the content of all the stuff. I mean, yep. like kids' cartoons are talking about this stuff. Um, and you realize, man, this has been in the comic books. This has been in the culture and the music. There's, it's, and, and now in the mainstream, I don't know if anybody remember, but during this event that we've all suffered under for two years that we're not allowed to talk about, um, do you remember that there was sort of like admissions coming out of you know, New York Times and, and even the Pentagon was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, there's some of those objects. We don't know what they are. Like, there are more of these whistleblowers going on Rogan. I don't know if they're yeah. all legit or not. But just the dialogue is out there now where, I mean, not that 10 years ago, you couldn't talk about this at all. Yeah, about 10 years ago when I wrote this book. That's all in this book, by the way. Yeah, that's what okay. you're talking about. Actually, I can't hate to keep bringing up the choice, but it's it, it really is. That's where well, we'll get it. From. We'll get it linked up for you. Because, um, no, because as ahead. I looked at it, I mean, as I did look at it, I said, look, this is what's going to happen. And it's all based on the effects of of the physics, with the real physics that this universe is made of and that the solar system is different than any other solar system. All physics are local. It's all built on a lot of Hoagland's work and work that he and I did together and basically said, look, this is the way I see the next 10 years going. Actually, it's 12 years. It's 2012 to 2024 mm -hmm. is where all this conflict and upheaval goes because what we're doing, what we're doing is we are deciding what our future is going to be how mm -hmm. our hierarchies and structures, how our money is going to work, how our governments are going to work, all this stuff is being redecided. That This is a nexus point where we have to do that or risk an asteroid or whatever it's going to take to, for God to wipe this lake clean. That's ah, not working. Let's start it over again. So um, then you have the disclosure part of it, which, yeah, I mean, it says right in the Brookings document, there's this thing, folks, if you don't know what the Brookings document is, go dig that up. And uh, the Brookings report talked about how if you were to discover stuff like we've looked at on this program, artifacts, alien artifacts, or even human artifacts. Thank you, Clon BMX. That would be cool. Um, if you discover this stuff, you should seriously consider not telling anybody. Because if you do, you're going to make all the scientists and engineers crazy because they're going to realize they've been wrong about this all along. And they're going to go nuts. And you're going to electrify the religious elements, and it could it could lead to the collapse of human civilization. Literally, 
human civilization could disintegrate. That's the word they used in this report. <laughs> so the only way around that is slow, careful inculcation through the media, through movies and television and you know, Star Trek and Lost in Space and, and Babylon 5 and all these shows that, that are out there that have been, you know, trying to get us used to the idea of alien life. And then this is really interesting, David, because you have these Pentagon videos. And <laughs> I'm sorry, every single one of them is, as far as I'm concerned, except maybe the gimbal one, which I think I have an explanation for. Those are all... um. Those are military drones. Those aren't alien <laughs> spacecraft. They don't do anything that performs outside of the envelope of a commonplace American military drone. They don't. <laughs> they travel, they're all subsonic. They're all right at or below 20,000 feet. Um, they're not doing anything exotic or except exceptional. The Tic Tac does not zoom off, ca off camera. That's not what happens if you look at the video, you can see that they're zooming in and out, okay? So it doesn't shoot off to the side. They just lose the, the lock on it and zoom past it. They zoom up to, to double, you know, they, they, they do a, a double zoom and just whip right past this object that's floating out there. You know, I'm, I'm gonna use my ivermectin pills here. It, they, they zoom past it, they zoom past it. So it looks like it goes off screen, but in fact, it's just that they zoomed up past it. Yeah. And you know how I know that? Because immediately after that, they cut off the video. And you know what I guarantee you is next on that video? Oh, they zoom back out to a one-to-one -one zoom instead of a two-to-one zoom, and they reacquired it. That's what happened. So whatever it was, and keep in mind, it's just a blob heat source. Most of these videos are from the early 2000s, and infrared technology was not that great. The visual resolution is low, much lower than the visual combat cameras we have. So while they're looking at all those, the reason they look like blobs, look like a Tic Tac is because it's a heat source. What if it's a jet engine? What if you're looking at the back end of a jet engine of a plane flying away or mm -hmm. dancing around with you, a drone, you know, that's going to look exactly like the Tic Tac or the gimbal, which I think is a, is a winged plane of some kind, probably a, a drone being, being looked at, viewed from the plan view from the top down. You're looking at the wings of this thing. So, and again, I've gone through this with Travis Taylor and some guys that are smart on ancient aliens, which are few and far between. And um, I, I just think, you know, that's what we're looking at. I don't think they're exceptional. They don't do anything exceptional. And here's the other thing. I can show you, this is what I did in, in um, uh, Edinburgh, Texas, for their UFO festival about a month ago. And I'm going to do it again in Roswell. I can show you space shuttle video of powered spacecraft in low Earth orbit above the clouds doing, you know, 60 degree turns at 200,000 miles an hour when they're shot at by rail guns from STS-48. And I can show you STS-80 where a flying saucer shoots into the atmosphere and flares up when it electrifies the atmosphere and stops and keeps the station keeps with the shuttle and then it goes back the way it came. None of which is acknowledged technological capability. Mm -hmm. of our planet on our planet so i can show you real space shuttle videos of real spacecraft that are either alien or our own secret space program built off alien technology one of the two yeah, right. and nobody's talking about them they want to talk about all these other nonsense videos like the jeremy corbell thing sorry the jeremy corbell thing where 
oh, look, it splashes into the water. That, that's, that didn't think things would splash into the water. It went over the horizon. And I can prove that five different ways. So, so again, I caught me as unimpressed by these videos. So the question becomes, hang on to it, Josh. Yeah. The question becomes, why does the government in, co uh, in coercion with the media want us to believe they might be alien spacecraft? That to me is where we have the question. And they're willing okay. to not show you real footage and actually show you fake footage in order to prove it. Which well, is, not fake. It's real footage. Not fake, but, but the question is, what is it of? It's just of, right. I think, drones and stuff. Yeah. Right. And I think that there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. I was in the United States Navy for 10 years. I worked in weapon defense systems, radar systems. I, I know how these things operate. You know uh, we, had, we had multiple sightings in the South Pacific, right off about 300 miles off the coast of Peru in that big part of the Pacific Ocean that has nothing. It looks like there should be a continent there, but there's nothing there. Yeah, uh, That's where we operated. We, we've seen objects. 2004 is actually the time that this happened. My buddy, he came off of the Princeton. If you remember, the Princeton was the cruiser that got swarmed by these, these, these things, Object. whatever. They yeah. um, and one of the things that we'll see, and this is one of the telltale signs, is there's no radar signature with these things. When we, when we encountered the, uh, what I call, we called it a red flare. I was, uh, we have a, a Mark 92 fire control radar, which has about 25 nautical mile range, a, a SPIS 55, surface search 55 mi miles, and then a SPIS 50 49, which is 250 um, miles in elevation out air search radar. And with these three different radars, we had no contacts. I go out to smoke at two in the morning, mid uh, portside midships, and I see a flare fly up on the horizon, horizon on the ocean, Dark nighttime, about 16 nautical miles. Sorry, flat earthers, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, is that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, how far yeah. is it from sea level? I, I thought it was three or four miles to the, to the physical horizon. It's more than that. It's 16 nautical miles, you said? You got about a visual about 16 nautical miles with basically no light dispersion happening okay. at nighttime. Okay. So we're about 16 nautical miles. Um, and I see this red flare fly up in the sky and I call up to the bridge. I'm like, Hey, we got a, a, a flare that just went up portside midships, about 16 nautical miles. They said, Oh, yep. We're looking at it with the big eyes. We're checking it out. They said, Hey, Rita, uh, there's a problem though. And I said, what's that? They go, you need to get back up to your radar. I said, okay. They go, uh, usually flares drop after they're shot. This thing isn't dropping down. <laughs> and, uh, so we started moving towards it about 25 knots. And it matched our speed and started moving away from because we weren't gaining on it. So kind of assumption there. Uh, the captain came out. He launched an SH-60 Bravo, which has a max speed uh, helicopter, has a max speed of about 120 knots. They went after it. It started moving away from the helicopter. They actually got it on FLIR. And so we were able to get on the thermal imaging camera. We had it on nothing on radar. Yeah. Uh, and so the helicopter started picking it up and it started moving away from the helicopter at about 125 knots, about max speed. Um, then it stopped. The helicopter gained on it. And all it was was just a, you could just see a thermal signature, but it was definitely not silver. It was very luminescent. Mm -hmm. And then it dropped into the ocean and we watched it as it dropped into the ocean. Dis the light dissipate, the heat signature dissipate as it went as down it went into the ocean. Water. So that's, yep. you know, what you got there and it ain't a flare. Yeah, that's fascinating. Right. And, and again, where's that stuff? Oh, well, the captain we said, yeah, exactly. captain said, delete it from the record. I don't want to report this. I don't want to deal with the paperwork. Get rid of it. Right. And we had multiple different ships have various different sightings throughout that time. So what I think and what you just said about the TikTok and all these things is these were our drones, our technologies operating in that AOR because there was a lot of hotbed of activity of UFOs in that area. 
Very possibly. And, mm -hmm. and you know, again, nobody knows. And again, they could be ours. They could be Russian. They could be Chinese. They could be any number of different countries. Or it could be our own guys effing with us. I mean, look, yeah. I worked on the X-47B. Yeah. And, and you know, the best way to tell, test a stealth aircraft like the X-47 would be, you know, you don't tell the Navy that you're going to be out there operating. You just send it out there and see how they react to it. Is our is our technology working yep. or not? You know, they're not going to shoot it down unless it does something hostile, right? So you're not going to yep. lose your prototype. So it could be any number of those things that they're. But again, the question is, with all this real stuff that has to exist in terms of footage, space shuttle guys like you, Navy sailors, real. Why are we only getting this stuff that you know? Look, I can explain away just with using a little, little aerospace common sense. And then you have the guys on the, the TTSA guys, all of whom have you know ties to various uh, <clears throat> intelligence agencies. And I hate to use that word. Yeah. Elizondo, yeah, Elizondo, he's he's an army counterintelligence grunt. His job was to lie. That was his job. It's counterintelligence. And we're gonna he's gonna tell us the truth about UFOs and this footage, which gee, looks remarkably like drone activity to me. Yeah. So I don't trust any of it. And you know, I guess that makes me unpopular. Maybe it, you know, I'm not gonna mention any names, history channel. Maybe that makes me unpopular because they want to build a whole show around this. And they don't want people saying, Well, you know, that kind of looks like a military drone to me. Um it just doesn't, it, it just, so what is the agenda? And the agenda is, I mean, there's one 60 minutes when, it, remember the big 60 minutes thing, how excited everybody was about 60 minutes and yeah. Alessandro shut up with a shirt with a huge, the huge collar. It's like, no, dude, dude, when you have no neck like me, you, you, you don't wear a collar. You have very little collar. It's just fashion tip there. Um, and they showed this one, oh, a picture taken from the cockpit of an, I don't know, F-18 or F-16, right? Yeah. It's it's a Batman balloon. It's a it's a Mylar balloon shaped exactly like this Batman balloon that's for kids' birthday parties that obviously broke away and floated up over San Diego and they're taking pictures of it and they show it on 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 sixty minutes like it's a UFO. And I mean, oh my God! I think it was uh, I think it was Steve Mira who exposed that or one of his friends. And and it's just I, I should show you that picture and it's just good it's just gobbledygook it's complete nonsense so what is the government agenda and that's what we have to be asking ourselves is why are they doing this why do they want us to think that these might be alien spacecraft when they're really not i don't know let me let me look let me see if i can find that picture yeah keep, keep talking ahead, i was just thinking too about what do you think about this whole blue beam meme like the idea that the government's going to stage a fake alien invasion and all this stuff um I've heard many different perspectives on it. I got my own opinions, but what do you think? I'll tell you in a sec on Bluebeam. Let me share with you. This is a close. This is not the shot, but this picture that I'm going to show you guys is um, is from this is the this is the object from the 60 minutes. In the <laughs> photograph. It is the exact same shape as this Batman Mylar balloon. That's Guess awesome. what it was? I don't have the I don't have the cockpit picture, but trust me. It's the same thing. It's a Batman balloon. Um, so, you know, look, the other side is getting desperate because I think if you look at worldwide events, even though I'm enormously frustrated with the lack of progress on, um, how can I put this properly? On um, 
running out the bad elements, mm -hmm. exposing yeah. the bad elements in our country. Yeah. Um, the people that have lied, stolen, cheated uh, our country, and especially in the last five, 10 years, it's gotten far worse, but it's been going on for decades. Um, I'm very frustrated with the progress. Yet, the truth is a lot of people think we're winning rather dramatically and that they're in big trouble. So it's always been the last resort has always been the fake alien invasion. And Von Braun talked about it to Carol Rosen, supposedly, according to Carol, and I have no reason to disbelieve her. And so I think the Project Bluebeam, the technology exists. Have you seen some of these videos of like from China and like the clouds part and there's a city in the sky? Yeah. Yeah. You know, these things don't, I don't, I'm not sure they're CGI. I mean, there are some of them, people are reacting to what they're seeing up there in the sky. So that's holographic projection. You know, Michael Jackson dancing around the Capitol building or whatever it was. That was pretty weird. So this technology exists. The question is, how, when, and why will it be used? And I, I got to tell you, I think that that is a possible last resort. If we see an alien invasion, trust me, that means we're on the brink of victory. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's a good sign. It'd be more exciting than the current one we're going through. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting about that technology, too. I think there was a TED Talk or there, it was at CES or something. And a gentleman came out and did a complete presentation on stage and then revealed at the end that it was uh, holographic technology and that he was actually in a completely different room and nobody knew until they yeah. actually revealed it. Um, and so we have this technology. We, I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that they're, you know, MJ 12 hid this information, hid this technology from humanity. And, and I honestly would say that people on that group originally probably did it in light that this would ruin all of our cultural, social centers and religious structures. This would yes. be a, a bad thing for the world. So let's slowly reverse engineer this and bring this out. And I think bad actors have infiltrated. I think good people are still there. I call it the multiple heads of the Hydra is that, you know, John Coleman talked about the committee of 300. I think it's more about 2000 people right now that sit at this table. You got mm -hmm. the old ancient, uh, the old ancient family bloodlines. You have the secret societies. You have the globalists. You have the multinationalists. But then you got some people out there that really do care about at least the progression of humanity and saving humanity's life. They want more lives on this planet, not less. Um, what are your thoughts on Elon Musk? Well, okay, this is interesting because I I don't know a lot about Elon Musk. I'm not going to pretend I do. I I will tell you. I've been on Twitter a long time. I'm on my probably ninth or 10th account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know what I say gets me in a lot of trouble. Sometimes it's as simple as calling Ted Lou a warthog and I get, I get banned. You're a little fucking warthog. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, and, um, you know, that shouldn't get you banned. You should be able to call a politician a warthog if you want to. But other times I've been banned, obviously, for political speech and, and telling the truth. So I will say this, since the sale was announced, it's not executed yet, I have noticed I can get away with a lot more than I could before. And I've noticed a lot of people are starting to come back that disappeared. Likewise, I've seen people banned. There's a shocks underscore SS, who I really like a lot, uh, who was posting. and She's been banned. So there's still people in the censorship department censoring. 
the uh, year 2000 horses movie site mm -hmm. got blocked, but not the creator of it. He didn't get blocked, but the actual Twitter account got blocked. So I think we're moving in the right direction. It will be very interesting to see what happens after um, after the, the takeover is complete. And I, I would basically, if I was him, I would, I would, you know, lock all everything, the software completely, lock everyone out, fire everybody in the censorship department, or sit them down and, you know, figuratively point financial guns to their heads and say, you need to tell me, you know, everything you did and give us access to the account, that kind of thing. So that doesn't answer the question. Um, I understand that Elon Musk and Don Jr. are very close and that mm -hmm. the money behind the purchase was all arranged by Don Jr. And he is the actual owner of Twitter. Oh. So that will tell you the direction Twitter is going. And that was my friend Candace Whitelight who told me that on, on my show a week or two ago Saturday. So I'm optimistic. Other sites, I'm currently, I'm currently shadow banned on Instagram. My stuff doesn't get posted on Instagram because I've been a bad boy. Um, have to be very careful on Facebook. I've been in jail for 30 days there two or three times. So although the tide is turning, the tide is turning, it's getting better. Um, I think Musk is, um, he appears to have, you know, I hope he's looking at this going, okay, this is the winning team and I'm going to, I'm going to join the, if you can't beat him, join him. And I think that that's where he's going. So do you think that one of uh, Elon Musk's motivations for Mars is because he understands what is truly there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no question about it. And by the way, it's not, you know, 50 pounds, 55 pounds of cocaine, Elon, which he once talked about. We could put 55 pounds of cocaine on Mars. Yeah. And then you'd have a, you'd have a great party on Mars there, Elon. <laughs> yeah. Cause he knows what's there. And, you know, it's possible that Mars is not the cold, uninhabitable hell that they've told us. It's possible that it could be rich and green again soon if it's not already. Um, so he knows something about it. And, you know, it, look, I think guys get picked for assignments. Maybe his assignment is going to be to tell everybody what's really on Mars. Mm. That's, that's kind of what I suspect. People are going to have jobs. And that's exactly what he said in the past. He said, uh, he, he did a tweet a few months ago and it was pertaining to, um, a lot of people in the world want less people on this planet. Yep. I want more people on this planet, yep. especially for when we go to Mars. And that is the key. And here's the thing. Look, I, you know, I talk to people who claim they know people and mm -hmm. people who I know know people and know people who used to be around and aren't around anymore, but we're very powerful people. And I guess I heard through my, my brother, Dave, who, by the way, Dave, Dave's in the hospital right now. He had a mild stroke. Oh man. Heal up, Dave. I'll, I'll be back. You know, hopefully your girl's there. She got over. So hang in there, Dave, everything will be good. Um, but he told me that, look, at some point in 2012, 2013, by the way, in 2012, there was almost a coup against the Obama administration, by mm -hmm. the military, but they decided to go with the, True. let's elect, let's elect the guy with the hair. That, that little letter that you can't say anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, starts with the letter T that they had three choices on, on the, on the, the board. And the one choice was total tyranny. 1984, which is what we're going through right now. The second choice was wipe the slate clean and start over again, like the Georgia Guidestones. Mm -hmm. Third choice was the Star Trek future. Star Trek future means you expand into space. You grow 
into space, you habitate Mars, you habitate any other planets you can make viable here in the solar system, and then you expand to the stars. And what I was told is that the choice was made by the powerful people, the good guys, that the Star Trek future was what was selected. So um, in the context of the Star Trek future, Elon Musk's role makes complete sense. So I do watch for that. I watch for people. I mean, and look, let's face it. You know, when he talks about that, he's talking about, he's absolutely talking about the Georgia Guidestones, who, by the way, Ted Turner built the Georgia Guidestones because right. he's nut. And uh, he's is he still alive? He is. is yeah, he fortunately, he has dementia, so he doesn't even know he's alive. But uh, well, that's irony for him, right? What a piece of uh, something that guy is. But um, yeah, so there's the Georgia Guidestones group, the Bohemian Grove nutbags. And, you know, the Moloch worshipers, and then there's the Star Trek future. And Elon is pretty clearly showing he knows which side is which. And these things, again, you have to pay attention to these things because they mean something. Elon Musk, regardless of what you think of him, has a lot of attention right now. And yeah. when he uses that platform to say things like that, just like when the president of the United States uses that platform to talk about he's been briefed on UFOs, no other president has ever admitted besides Truman that he's ever been briefed on the subject until the uh the 45 guy or is he the 19th guy we don't know yeah well <laughs> and what did he say he said uh during that interview with uh don jr briefed. he said yeah, I've been he's, briefed. which in, in no roswell? oh my god roswell oh my god wait till you find out about roswell what really yeah. happened that was kind of interesting looking forward to the roswell maybe the 75th anniversary coming up in july when i will be there you should join me That'd be pretty epic. maybe that that maybe they'll reveal everything at roswell that would be awesome well i don't think we're gonna get that out of this administration go ahead david well, well it's funny are they, that the question is are they still going to be around in july that's that's the question <laughs> that's the question it's funny about musk because you know prior he would ever the the image that he was giving out was that he was a straight you know, part of the whole globalist transhumanist thing, thing yeah. you know, the yeah. microchips in the brain, the whole thing, and just the weirdness. And and even I am like, okay, I'm not interested in that, but maybe he knows something I don't, I don't know. But some people kind of theorized that he had some strings cut after 2016, because there was some weird events in 2016 that happened that shouldn't have happened. And he got his strings cut, or he had a uh, like you said, he maybe this sort of decision came down and he finally was freed up to be able to actually be more vocal. Maybe some of these people that are out in the public eye have to play a certain game because of who runs the whole show. And then when certain pieces get moved out of the way, it's a clear landing for them to come out and be a little bit more honest. I think that might even be going on with Mr. T a little bit, um, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe other factors that I think we're not factoring in because I think what we're trying to get from this whole conversation, Mike, is that this whole situation that everybody's looking at right now is far bigger than I think even those of us who knew it was bigger are able to even comprehend. What do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, and it's bigger than aliens. It's, I mean, you think aliens yeah. are big. It's even bigger than that. So there's some even larger program running here. So yeah, I agree with you. I think, and I, I'm not comparing myself to Elon Musk, but it's the same thing, you know, I did the show about the moon landings. I had to pretend like I was the guy who didn't believe we went to the moon, even though I should have been the technical advisor for the whole show. I mean, they hired Phil Plate, who's a douchebag. But did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But I, they should have paid me to do that because I he, I mean, he came up with good stuff, but I would have come up with the same things. But it's like, OK, um, 
And I just did what I had to do to get the show on the air. And in a similar way, yes, I am comparing myself to Elon Musk. Elon Musk could be doing the same thing, either that, David, or he was turned, you know. If he could be turned, he would be a great asset. You know, that kind of thing. So we don't know. Why not? But I think eventually we will we will find out. Although I think by that time, Elon Musk is not going to be that relevant. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, I saw some right signs now. with him, Mike. I saw some signs with him. Just I, first, I was part a big part of the Canadian trucker thing. I think I can say that on YouTube. Um, they're probably going to arrest me after, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, I was a big part of that. And when I saw him on Twitter, promoting it, donating to it, pushing it, I'm like, whoa, interesting. Mm -hmm. We have this guy as an ally with that. Why would he be promoting something that is clearly anti-globalist agenda? Yeah. And then, then the next thing was this whole um, thing with the Twitter where he's out there saying, I'm a free speech absolutist. I believe in the founding principles of America. We've gone too far. There's this. And then he's trolling some of the most, you know, in my opinion, despicable people that need but to be some told. of the most visible libtard liberals on right. on Twitter. He's trolling them. AOC, my girlfriend, mm -hmm. my yeah. future girlfriend, my future wife, AOC. I'm gonna turn AOC. I'm gonna I'm gonna Do you know there's a theory I'm that gonna she's turn actually AOC working with there's, a, That's what I'm gonna do. there's a theory she's actually working for the White Hats so that <laughs> her, her she's so dumb. The the arguments she makes are so dumb it's to make the left look even worse. Yeah, that, there is know. that. I have I have heard from a few people who say no. She sincerely she's sincerely brainwashed and actually she's sincerely, but yeah. Okay. But you know, look when the truth comes out and her whole world is shattered, she's gonna leave a shoulder to cry on. And I, I'll true. be right there to take her to Vegas and and she's an October Libra, which is my th I'm an Aquarian October Libra. I I'm on you like a fly on you know what? I mean I I just yeah I'm I'm all in for AOC. Well, you can turn her. You can turn her. I could turn AOC. I could Give him 10 minutes with her. 10 minutes with her. She'll be completely red-pilled. We'll yeah. set it up. We'll get her on the show, Josh. Turn Next AOC. up on the Mars Chronicles, AOC and Mike Barra. Turn AOC. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about timelines here because we know there are things happening. This is the Great Awakening versus the Great Reset, which is happening here. Um, and, and a lot of the people are like, dude, this is the Mars Chronicles. Well, people have to understand is when we talk about various aspects of the moon, Mars, ancient civilizations, these types of things, it has everything to do with what is happening right now in this mm -hmm. world, culturally, socially, politically, economically, and cosmologically, if you want to talk about it like that, is everything is moving towards this kind of precipice event to where humanity is either going to wake up or continue to be asleep. And I think it's a very, very small percentage, probably less than 12% people in America who are actually behind the radicalized liberal left. Right? It is a choice we have to make. Do we wake up right. or do we stay asleep? Yeah, and I agree with you, especially that number. 20% is exactly where I put it. Right. 70% right. of it are patriots. 10% are in the mushy middle. 20% are, are true believers in, right. in the black and mm -hmm. And so what do you see? And, and I know... You know, we're not going to say on July 4th, 2027, this is what we're going to say. But what do you see in the sense of a timeline of how this all plays out? And just, I mean, because you've been researching this stuff for decades as well as us. I want to know from your perspective with the alien aspect of the alien agenda built into this, what do you see in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Do you think that this is going to happen fast by 2030? We're going to be to the stars or is it going to be more like 2050? Ooh, that's a good question. I think, um, well, first of all, we have to get through the upheaval period mm -hmm. right now, the, the, the chaos 
the um, apocalypse, which as I point out in this book, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but I have to. Yeah. The word apocalypse means to lift the veil. That's what it means. It doesn't mean catastrophe, cataclysm, destruction. It means to lift the veil. Yep. That's exactly what's happening now. That's that's the age of Aquarius. That's the that's right. the astronomy and the astrology are changing our mind. And and it, it does affect human consciousness, as I talk about and I think prove in that book. And I, I hate to keep bringing it up, but it keeps coming up. So we're moving that direction. We have to get through this transition to a new governance system of governance, a new system of finance, a new system of how we view ourselves in the world, and then a new system of how we view ourselves in the galactic terms and how we view ourselves in universal terms. So all these things are going to happen. And there are technologies that exist. I do think at least one of those space shuttle videos I talked about is our secret space program technology. Mm -hmm. I think we've had anti-gravity flying saucer technology since probably 1958. And certainly by the early 60s, we were building these spacecraft based on our own discoveries and stuff we'd recovered from crashes like Roswell and that kind of thing. So then it's only a question of how quickly do we roll these things out? Hmm. And so once the political transition and financial transition take place, which I will say, I will be stunned beyond belief if it's not this year, that transition. Then we have the cultural transition, and then we have the technological transition. So I think what we're looking at is, could 2030 be it? Yeah, by 2030, by 2030, I think the MedBed technology is real. I think that's going to be out. I think people are going to be able to look younger, live longer, feel better for maybe up to a couple hundred years. I think the human lifespan is going to expand. Once that happens, the population is going to increase, and the planet can sustain billions more billions and billions and billions more than we have right now but eventually we're going to have to grow off world so i i think you see once that quickening happens after 2024 and i hope the political and financial transition doesn't take 2024 good gosh you're going to see boom 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 to the point that we're going to get used to some new shocking revelation every month maybe every two weeks i mean Look at the news cycle now. Remember Russian man bad? Where did Russian, what's going on with Russian man bad? You know, where did that go? That got replaced by Roe v. Wade. And, but yeah. even if, you, even when you look at that, you have to, you have to study. You don't have to, I keep saying you have to, but you should study the corporation of the United States versus the Republic of the United States. Mm -hmm. Now a Republic is going to operate under the original constitution. In the original real constitution, not the fake corporate financial document we have now masquerading as a constitution, that a question like Roe v. Wade has to be decided by the people. That's what it says. It says anything not specifically enumerated in this document, meaning the constitution, shall be decided by the people of the several states or something along those lines. Tenth Amendment. So, okay. So it sounds great how I said it. And you know what? When that when that was leaked, I'm, okay, there's people saying, well, this is a distraction to keep you away from watching the 2000 donkeys and to keep you from knowing about the next super surprise Supreme Court decision that's being held in the background. Okay, maybe that's all true. But if this country is really moving back to a true republic and moving away from the corporate kleptocracy that we've been living in since 1871, that decision has to be overturned. 
It has to because it cannot exist with Republican law, with the original Constitution. The states have to make their own choices. And so when I read that that was happening, and I mean, I mean politically, politically, that decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, that that was impossible. That's impossible. That that wasn't going to be done. Everybody knew the fix was in. All oh, it's all settled on all that stuff. It all gets flipped with one decision by the court. And the only reason I think that they're doing it now in 2022 is because we're going to be a, a republic again sooner rather than later. Hmm. That means that Mr. T, Mr. T, hey boy, you look mighty cute, Deb G, is not the 45th president of the United States. He's the 19th president mm -hmm. of the United States of America. After Ulysses S. Grant. And I will tell you also that I do know people who know people who tell me that this guy was in Colorado, did not specifically go to Cheyenne Mountain where Space Force is, but had meetings with those people in Colorado less than a month ago. Why would a private citizen be doing that unless he's not really a private citizen? He's still 19. Not <laughs> 45, but 19. Well, I, I think that he could be operating as a shadow presidency, very much like Obama is operating okay. as the I counteractive one, shadow presidency. I think the one that does all of its governing and speeches from someplace other than the White House, that's the shadow presidency. The real yeah. one is operating not in the shadows, but without being too public about it. So anyway. It's a very good possibility, and we actually focus a lot on those types of discussions as well in our, in our geopolitical, geoeconomic aspects of what's really happening. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, it's it's compelling. I'm in Colorado, by the way. Just let me say real quick. I don't think yeah. we can have alien disclosure until we're a republic again. Agreed. I really don't. That and we sense. have free and fair news reporting. The Fifth Estate needs to be, you know, cleaned up. So I, I agree 100% on that. I, I think that all this other stuff comes. That's why I talk about this stuff because it's the precursor to the thing that's going to make us all, you know, we're the guys that are going to get FaceTime on, on CNN, hopefully a completely revamped CNN once that happens. But that's not going to happen until we are, are, are a republic again, which I do think is going to happen. And that would have to happen around the world in a way because, like, I'm sitting here in Canada, and if we're talking about disclosure of a subject that's going to basically blow the world away right um we would have to have this kind of system restored back in all, all of these countries yeah right? like because we've exactly. all been infiltrated by the same people worldwide and then you get into the jasara treaties which nobody can we talk about can we use that word g-e-s-a-r-a and asara and and if, if you look i mean you look at what russian man bad is doing in ukraine he's only taking the parts that are Russian speaking, have a Russian culture, and have enumerated their desire to be Russian, to be part of Russia. And I understand he's been told you're also going to get the Baltic states, Lat Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And they're going to connect Kaliningrad, which is below those in the south, below those three Baltic states. They're all going to become part of Russia hmm. permanently. That's part of the treaties that have been signed. China and Taiwan are going to be reunited, not under the Chinese Communist Party. That's going to go away. It's going to be a new Chinese Republic, but they have a lot of cleanup to do in Taiwan first. They have a lot of cleanup to do in the Baltic states first. Russian man bad is going to take care of that in, in the Baltics and somebody else, 
maybe Mr. G, I don't know, is going to take care of it in Taiwan. But when it's all said and done, they're going to be republics. They're going to be free. And Canada's going to fall that way. Australia. I mean, I, I, I hear that part of the arrangement is U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand are going to be unified. Hawaii is going to become part of the Pacific Island states, Pacifica or something. So that's fine. I don't think we need Hawaii anyway. Well, that's because we're, we're part of the British colonies here in Canada. We're still under that whole, in that, if that whole system, that Vatican, oh, you know, royal you? system is getting torn down, are then, you, um, David, you know, are hopefully you sure we about can that? have a shot. Are you sure you're still part of that? Because there's well, a lot of signs out there that you're not. And by the way, everybody knows the queen has been dead for at least six months. Some people say two years. Really? He's been dead for six months. We're just waiting on that announcement. There's just there's just a uh, weekend at Bernie's over there, throwing her up there with her horses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that. so you're going to move away from that, and you're going to become unified with us. You know, is I'm done with that. I've been wondering. Canada going to be the 51st state, or we're going to lose the state, we're going to lose Hawaii. There's going to be some sort of arrangement where we make up one nation, a trade zone. And, you know, it makes sense because of that, of, of our – you know, a fairly common culture with Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. So, and you know, Mexico, we should have invaded Canada and took them over as a 51st state a long well, time. Well, we ago. tried. We I'd tried, you know, back in the musket days. And yeah. We ended up getting our own shoe leather when, 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 when the Canadian winter got us. It's just like, it's like Napoleon. And you know, again, about Orange Man bad. I mean, everybody wants to demonize this guy. I think yeah. he's just protecting his people and freeing the people who want to be part of his country, who've always been essentially Russian in their their uh their perspectives and i don't have a problem with him doing that as long as you understand he's going to do what's best for russia at all times and he looks upon this decrepit corrupt country that our our country has become and you know he's disgusted by it and i don't blame him i mean i but but i think we're on the brink of cleaning this stuff up and i i hope that that's true now, now, I, I, I kind of want to. We got a few more minutes left. I want to get just your perspective on this part of it, because there's a lot of bullshit out there. Yeah, a lot of bullshit out there. And this is kind of transition back to the alien aspect, but I think it has a lot to do with what we're talking about here. Um, what's your thoughts on what people talk about in the sense of a galactic federation, as well as being in contact with Palladians, Arcturians, and Andromedans, and all this shit? Did you guys? Did you guys ever <laughs> see a? The movie called Monty Python's Life of Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Long time ago. It's hilarious. Yeah. And it's a 70s, com you know, they're a 70s comedy troupe. Some of them are still alive. And there's a scene where John Cleese and a bunch of the guys are sitting around. It's set in the time of Jesus, where this guy Brian is mistaken for the Messiah. And this guy walks up and he goes, Excuse me. You know, they're at they're at some they're at some Roman games where some guy's getting slaughtered. He goes, Excuse me, are you the people's front of Judea? And he, John Cleese goes, Fuck off. We're the, we're the Judean people's front. That's the people's front of Judea over there. And it's some guy sitting by himself. It's the same thing with the Galactic Federation of Light. You know, are, are they the Galactic Light Federation? No, they're the bad guys. Oh, no, the Galactic Federation of Light are the bad guys, not the Galactic Light Federation. They're the good guys. And it's, it's like, circus, it's just like, dude, seriously, it's like something out of Life of Brian. And the Pleiadians, I hear the Pleiadians are pretty sexy. Like I, they're, I heard they're, hot. they're all blondes and i'm a i'm a i'm a burnett libra guy myself aoc <laughs> let me just teach you the ways of the world aoc i will educate you um i hear there must be some contact some co if there's other humanoid species out yeah there of course there is of course there is. 
But there are stories. There, there are stories from people I think are smart and believable, and I, 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 I do believe them. But I think it's pablum. I, I really do. I don't think the aliens, either they can't interfere because of the Prime Directive or something like that. Speaking of the Star Trek future, or they're not going to interfere because we have to sort this out for ourselves. In order to grow, we have to figure out this out for ourselves. We have to choose what our future is going to be, and I think we've already made the choice, but we have to choose it. And it, it, they can't interfere. And I think that's why aliens are so pushed in the background right now, really. And why, I mean, what was the last big alien side? Last time I worked for Ancient Aliens, it was Maury, the Maury Island incident here in Seattle. Mm. And uh, that was like 1952. Like, have we not had another sighting here since then? Well, apparently not. So aliens have backed into the background to get out of our way and let us sort out who we are going to be. And then maybe, then maybe once we figure that out, we'll be brought into the greater galactic community. But remember <laughs> this folks, don't accept. I love that Alex Collier. I attribute this to him. No, don't accept any help that you didn't ask for. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. Because yeah, um, you're in a contract then with people who may not have your best intentions at heart. So. That's how I feel. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mike, we just have a few minutes left. Let's, because we're talking about all these subjects, let's finish on something about Mars. What is in, I mean, it's in the books, obviously, but if we say this is the Mars Chronicles, Mike, what can yeah. you tell us about mysteries on Mars? What could you like um, people up with here? Well, look, I, I mean, it's pretty simple. There are ancient alien ruins on the planet Mars, period. The face on Mars is real. The DNM pyramid is real. All the stuff at Sidonia is real. We've got the infrared imaging of what's under the ice at Sidonia. A lot of Mars is ice covered with some dust, very thin layer of dust. And there's stuff, we've seen this stuff. They've leaked it to us from NASA. So Mars is our heritage. Mars is our home. Mars is our birthright. Hmm. We, if you put an astronaut like my buddy Leland Melvin into space, his body clock, his biorhythms don't cycle at a 24 hour cycle. They cycle at a 24.9 hour cycle. A day on Mars is 24.9 hours, not 24 hours. We came from there. We need to return to there, like Elon Musk says, and we need to reclaim that which is ours. And we need to fix whatever it is that we did wrong that resulted in the cataclysm that destroyed the civilization that was there. And I don't believe it was a natural accident. I believe yeah. it was a war. And I believe that the planet that Mars, Mars, by the way, is not a planet. It's a moon. It was a oh, moon of a large planet, yeah. planet V or planet five that Dr. Tom Ben Flander talks about. Tiamat. That or you could call it Tiamat. I think I called it Phaeton or Tiamat or something like that in, in mm. uh, Ancient Aliens and Secret Societies, another book of mine. Um, but it was it blew up or was blown up. And that's why half of Mars, one entire hemisphere, is spattered with so many craters you can't even count them or name them. And the other side is cue ball smooth. Because Splitter in half. Here, the, the cue ball smooth side is 
where the civilization is. It's where all the artificial structures are. Yep. The other side is completely devastated. Mars broke the tidal lock when the planet exploded. It got hit with the debris, wiped out half the atmosphere, and devastated the civilization. But that civilization, I think, has roots in human origins. So when Neil Armstrong says that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, that's what he's talking about. So it's time for us to go home and reclaim our birthright, Boom. which is Mars. Mars is our heritage. Mars is our birthright. So Mike series Barra, one, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Mike Barr. That was awesome. <laughs> so on the first episode, that, that was the theory I, I was actually proposing, is that the Enuma Elish was talking about uh, Tiamat and the Absu. It's talking about the destruction of Mars in reality. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, who knows which of these ancient legends are, are the truth of it. But, it, you know, if you piece them together, it all fits. Yep. Piece them together, it all fits. Well, this was fantastic. This was a great conversation. I'm Mike, glad. I appreciate it. We're going to have to have you uh, on our other shows as well to talk about okay. the whole geopolitical aspects of everything that's going yeah, I'm on. Sorry we got, I'm sorry no, we got into it. that. Oh, but, you know, we, you kind of have to. You can't really just talk about aliens. You can, but it's really frustrating to talk yeah. about it. It's all connected. Yep. Yep. Absolutely all connected. So much appreciated, guys. Uh, if you are on the socialredpill.com, check out for updates of what we're going to do with uh, the 2,000 mules, donkeys, horses, and stuff of that kind. We're going to try to get this all set up. It, there's a chance it might not happen. It depends on how uh, it went for uh, Patriot Party Podcast. We'll get that information out to you. So check the socialredpill.com for that. That is our private social network, as well as I, I don't know if David's going to check it out with us as well. But much love, respect. God bless everybody. You guys all take care. You guys have a great night. Thank you again, Mike Barra, David Whitehead. Take care. We'll see you guys next week. Stay Thanks, strong. guys. Thanks, everyone. That was awesome. We'll do it again sometime. <laughs>